So welcome back to The Colour Media Show, the place where we talk all things marketing and media. I'm your host, Pete Grouch, and in this episode, we're going to be taking a look at the fast-changing world of TV advertising, Google pay-per-click, and business networking, and how a blended approach to marketing can maximise results. My guests in this episode are Eden Bevington, our very own Google guru and one of the team here at Colour Media, and joining us remotely is Sean Robertson, Business Development Manager and also our Account Manager at ITV. And lastly, but by no means least, is Jenny Smith, the Queen of Business Networking in the Northeast and founder and owner of Networking Know Who. Networking Know Who are a company that brings together business individuals and helps them engage with networking and improve their networking skills. So to kick things off, we are going to take a deep dive into the latest developments in the world of TV advertising, and we're going to welcome Sean to the show. Sean, thanks for joining us, and welcome to our podcast. Morning, Pete. Thanks very much. Great to be here. So I suppose it would be a bit remiss of us not to mention the dreaded COVID word, and we were wondering perhaps you could give us a bit of an insight into how it's impacted your world and your industry and, and the ways in which ITV have, have dealt with that and responded. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's just been such a huge level of upheaval, really, and, and such a change to, to all ways of, of working, really. Um, I think on the, the wider scheme for it, our main aim has really been to keep to the overall strategy, but slightly adapting those tactics. Um, that strategy being to be like a digitally led media and entertainment company that continues to create brilliant content. And I think it's, we're kind of in, in a position where you've got to kind of keep happy different stakeholders. So obviously as a PSB, you've got to look after the viewers, um, which is where kind of the, the brilliant news teams across the board have played such a key role in bringing um, kind of up to date and trusted information to, to viewers across the board. Um, obviously, then as a FTSE 100 company, we've got shareholders to keep happy, uh, and then advertisers as well. So it's been it, it's been a challenge. Obviously, there was um, with, with, with with social distancing and everything going into lockdown. Production was a big challenge, um, but we managed to keep daytime programming on the go and live, really from Good Morning Britain up until the lunchtime news. And we managed to, to keep Emmerdale and Coronation Street, which are such big shows for us, staggered to keep them on air. Um, obviously, things that were out of our control kind of had a big impact on our schedule as well with the European Football Championship, with, which was due to have a lot of it played in, in England at Wembley and also some games in Glasgow as well, which was going to be great. That was moved out of our control. Um, Love Island, which is such a big show for us as well. Um, just with it filmed in Mallorca and so many kind of produ- production crew involved in that, that, that was cancelled too. So we, we, we had to make some tough decisions, but strategically as well, we, we looked at it and almost kind of held back some new programming as well. So as we're moving forward, I guess, into the autumn and, and September, you've got production back up and running and starting to really move forward as well that um, Potentially held back some some new programs, so there's some really exciting new new drama in particular coming in uh, in, in September. So, yeah, you see a lot of kind of resourcefulness and innovativeness at the same time as well. A lot of shows kind of filmed in people's front rooms, or you see new shows that are coming out, like like Isolation Stories, which which have done really well for us as well. But um, I, I mean, we've seen kind of audiences have been performing strongly and from a digital perspective as well the the, the hub has performed strongly with viewing it's been up so just 
on from a from an advertiser's perspective then sean you know with, with the with the changing uh sort of in viewing habits over the last few months while while people you know have been in lockdown for various reasons yeah. that, that you know they, they might be furloughed from work that the viewing habits of the sort of uh traditional audience must have changed a bit and and how's that affected the ability for, for people to advertise has it created opportunity has it created some limitations yeah uh, I, I think worked? it's created a lot of opportunities really i mean um our, our pricing structure is really based on a, a supply and demand metric so when, when we saw that we were seeing kind of quite high uh, kind of unseen levels of, of deflation in the market um earlier in in in, in kind of lockdown and, and and that was opening up opportunities it was a lower entry cost for, for advertisers um to come on um it was it, it's also kind of seen a bit of a shift in in kind of viewing habits as well obviously daytime and, and news program is performing really strongly so it's given clients and advertisers a bit of an opportunity to maybe try some new strategic ideas and maybe focus on daytime only campaigns or focusing on different strands as well and i guess from a production point of view people have had to be very creative with that we've seen people utilizing kind of previous assets a lot of stock footage a lot of kind of user generated content has come in there as well and yeah sure you, you see some really nice pieces i mean we did a uh, a bit of work called the people's ad break um which um kind of debuted on a on a Saturday night and kind of showcased a, a load of popular ads from five national brands. And the twist for that then was to to ask the public to get their crafting boots on really and make their own versions at home. And then we had a panel that really picked them out and gave people their 30 seconds of fame almost during Britain's Got Talent where we replicated that break made entirely of kind of homemade creative so Great. you see people being um, be, being really quite creative and, and trying new ideas with it really and so as uh, as is the case in a, in a lot of industries people have responded with you know the government in particular with with all sorts of uh, levels of support for for businesses and and you know we're in our industry we we've seen that some people really grab hold of that and and are, are sort of getting on it as it were with dealing with these challenges what sort of uh, support has ITV as an organisation um, come up with to to help businesses in that sense because obviously you know you're a business like the rest of us you need yeah. customers you've got to do you've got to do things to encourage them to carry on as much as we all can uh, as normal so uh, have are there any initiatives underway or is there anything new that we can that we can see coming out of ITV yeah of course I mean we've been, we're actually uh, currently launching a, a, a back in business initiative. Um, which is, is really going to help provide kind of support packages and, and insight for marketers and for clients across the board. Um, we, we've been running a, a range of incentives, really. Um, we, we have a package for, for new TV advertisers called, called Business for All, um, where we offer a level of, of matched funding um, to, to kind of encourage those and really show the strength and the power of TV. Um, and we okay. also have have had support packages as well for, for some of those really hard hit sectors as well. So we've been doing a lot of work really with, with the charity sectors, with, with colleges or with kind of heritage clients as well, kind of across theatre theater and arts. And um, we've been doing a lot of work as well, utilising our, our in-house commercial production team too. Um, so mm -hmm. um, kind of, again, taking kind of, previous assets that, that advertisers may have and being able to turn that round kind of and, and make a really nice piece of creative to, to help people get on air 
Okay, great. So we're also joined by Eden Bevington. Eden is a Google accredited specialist and, as I said, one of the team here at Colour Media. And we want to explore a little bit um, about how a, a blended approach to marketing can improve results. So, Eden, maybe you could share with us and the listeners some of your thoughts on that the, the sort of power of that combination of, of TV advertising and what's available to, to our, some of our clients on, on Google. Mm. Well, uh, yeah, first off, thanks for having me on. Um, it's good to be here with uh, Sean and Jenny. Um, yeah, with in terms of Google, it's, it's just such a, a big platform. You know, we use it every day, whether that's um, searching for something online, whether it's um, browsing YouTube, whether using Gmail, um, or just you know browsing your favorite website, you know you'll be you'll be delivered ads um, on that website, whether you know if you know it's Google or not. Um, you know, there's uh, quick fact is that there's um, 3.5 billion searches a day um, on Google, and um, that's been growing you know 10% every year since since 2009. So um, the the platform is is here to stay, and it's and it's only going to get bigger, um, and and if you are if you are serious about you know your online presence and you've got um a product or a service that you are proud of you you do need to have a good google presence um if you if you're on the second third or fourth page of google um you're going to struggle to kind of make any headway um you do need to be on that on that first page um which which you know Sean will Sean will uh will help me with this one but I think that's pretty similar to to the way um, TV advertising works. You know, if you're if you're on in the middle of the night, um, you're going to get significantly less less um, success than if you're on a kind of a daytime and uh, and and good good slot in in uh, on TV essentially. So I think yeah, what we what we see is when it comes to that combination of of TV and Google. If you, if you're running a TV campaign and you've got you know good analytics through your website, you would expect to see. Um, a, a big spike in your web activity following a successful TV campaign, and I suppose it's you know taking advantage of that knowledge and then backing that up with with a well organised, uh, crafted Google campaign that really maximises on on both efforts because you know th these are two two mediums that you know pretty much everyone in the country will will use on a daily basis. TV's massively powerful, Google's massively powerful, and and you know pulling the two together really helps in in you know that uh, the net effect of of any spend that a customer might have and you know as we've said as as uh, to many of our customers in the past if you're going to do just one thing it may have effect but if you're going to combine it with other things you would expect to see um you would expect to see a, a slightly different uh, a different result so just coming back to you Sean on on the the um TV advertising side of things um it's often considered way out of reach for a lot of smaller companies, but that's that's not always the case, is it? Maybe you could tell us about some of the options that are available and, and what the process for a, a smaller company that might look at TV and think, well, that's not really for us. We're, we're, we're not big enough to, to, uh, to approach TV. How they could, you know, how they can get their brand on the telly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, it, it, it's really interesting what you say there about kind of the power of combining um uh, kind of Google activity um, with with TV, really. Um, I mean, we see that there's so much data really to point to the fact that, that, that TV makes these other channels work much harder to. Um, it it provides such a 
a, a way of achieving kind of broad reach and scale that it's such a strong way to reach new audiences and then prime them to almost extend that the use of social or draw sure. attention to, yeah. to direct mail or drive search or, or or anything like that there um and I guess there's so much kind of, again, data and research in terms of marketing effectiveness that would point to mass reach and, and, and building fame as being such a key driver for for key business effects, really. And kind of for, for brands that are maybe solely advertising online, and they, they they need to reach customers broadly, reach them early and, and, and prime them um, really as well. Um, so sometimes, yeah, it, it can almost be kind of, I feel like a, an educational and awareness piece really to, to spread the word on, on that TV advertising is affordable, it is achievable, and how kind of cost-effective it potentially can be. Um, I mean, we work with a whole range of clients kind of from, from a local perspective and uh, a national perspective. And it's, it, it's like I say there, I think we feel that the ITV can offer kind of the best of both worlds, really, and offer that mass simultaneous reach via linear broadcasting huge kind of shows in the UK like Coronation Street, Britain's Got Talent, I'm a Celebrity as well. And we can also combine that with kind of a highly targeted addressable platform for advertisers on, on the ITV hub. But I, I would say from for advertisers looking to come on from, say, a local perspective throughout throughout Cumbria, um, that there's a huge benefit really via the, the ITV border region. The the, the border region is, is fab, really. It's it's one of the smallest ITV regions which is available to advertise on. We've got really a potential audience of, of half a million adults, which is around kind of 280,000 homes. So it's given you kind of a scale and a, a level of reach which can't be achieved through any other form of media, really, in, in the region. Um, and kind of due to that kind of small audience size as well, it it basically means that you've got kind of a lower entry cost to, to come on and, and try TV. So um, it, it I think, you know, from, from my experience speaking to, to new customers, I mean, obviously all, all new TV, TV advertisers uh, are, are consumers at the same point. And, and yeah. I think, you know, there is an assumption that when you see a, a local brand on, on TV that, you know, it's, it's wide reaching. But as you say, there are ways of sort of reducing that and, and having a more targeted approach, which makes it a bit more affordable. Yeah. Um, and, and, and as you say, the entry point for specifically this part of the country is, is way lower than, than we'd see elsewhere. And, I, I, you know, when I'm out there talking to customers about, you know, trying new things and, and having a look at TV, I think the assumption is that they, that they couldn't really afford it. And, and um, it's just, as you say, building that awareness and making it something that that could be available to to a lot more people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you you, you look at kind of the the reach in that which is on offer. I, I mean, kind of our trading metric really is we trade in CVRs. Um, so sometimes it can be really helpful almost to bring. Just, it. just explain that to us, Sean, because a lot of our listeners won't know what a TVR is. Yeah, so just talk us through how that works. Yeah, I, I mean TVRs are almost a, a percentage of, of the potential audience that you would be be reaching. So if you were to say, for example, a spot in Coronation Street was to be achieving ten TVRs, that's ten percent of kind of adults within the border region. So. But sometimes I, I don't think that really truly reflects kind of the scale that you've got on offer. So if you think of a spot in, in Coronation Street like that and talk about it in terms of 10 TVRs, it can be far more powerful to talk about it in terms of the level of commercial impacts or commercial impressions that you're achieving from that. So you could have that spot there and, and kind of be hitting kind of between fifty and 60,000 adults at, at once. So 
And when you imagine that, then the cumulative effect of, of, of kind of continual ad, ad, advertising in shows like that over a number of weeks, the, the impressions and the coverage that you can build is huge. So we're finding very much so that it's, it's really useful for clients to be able to bring in these digital metrics to help measure TV by doing things like converting TVRs into impressions to really show the true scale of it yeah. versus the media to, to bring in a cost per view. Um, I mean, earlier in, in, um, in the year when we were seeing these levels of deflation in the market, you were, you were almost looking at a, a tenth of a penny per view kind of for linear campaigns on, on border to advertise there. Um, so it's the, interesting, isn't it? You look, you're thinking about those sort of numbers and we, if we draw some comparisons with, with what, you know, Eden works on, on yeah. a day-to-day basis in Google and we, we you know, we, it's done in a similar way, you know, things are measured by impressions and how many, how many eyeballs can we get on a, on a website or a product or a service or whatever it is. And then, you know, translating that through into what does it cost to, to deliver a click for, mm. for that client? And, it, you know, some of the costs are, are, are quite comparable. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that, Sean, because, um, you know, we found the same with Google, you know, um, March, March, April time, you know, advertisers were kind of pulling their budgets, you know, either pulling all together or, 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 you know, massively reducing it. And and for those clients that do did keep it on and, and, and kept with it, they actually found an uptick because um, there was less there was less competition in the market essentially, yeah. um, and you know people still we found people were still you know buying online and they still needed um, services and things like that and and now there was less competition on the on the search results the clients that did keep on with it um, actually performed better than they did um, twelve months ago. Yeah, um, it, it, it's really interesting. I, I think, like I said before, kind of TV is such a a way of of achieving reach uh, and everything like that. And if you are kind of running a campaign and and running TV alongside kind of Google activity, it really is such a strong way almost to, to load the top of the sales funnel and, and just making sure you've got your campaign set up to match kind of all objectives and category and buyer behaviors as well. Um, it, it can really kind of help to drive that. Um, but we see, it, it's it, you see kind of, Advertisers from a national perspective, when they're looking to, to target new ideas or new strategies, maybe testing that out in some of the, the ITV regions um, up north, really, because it is so reflective of, of Britain as a whole and because they can do it for such a, a much lower capital cost. So they can trial these things on a regional basis before potentially draw it, rolling it out on a national basis as well, just so they've got a bit more insight into, into how things potentially work and I always think it's it's brilliant when you kind of have an initial conversation with a with a potential advertiser or someone new to TV as well, and and then you kind of you, you sit at home and you you're watching a, one of, one of your shows and you see kind of the ad breaks come on and you see yeah, exactly. that there's such a huge effect I think when you place kind of a an advertiser from a local perspective kind of in say a centre break of Coronation Street or or I'm a celebrity or, or something like that and you're seeing it alongside brands like like Apple or Emirates or McDonald's or anything like that. It's exactly. a real level of it really helps to dr- increase trust and fame and kind of show a real level of authority around the brand, I think. Great, great. So our last uh, topic, and Jenny's been very patient uh, listening to these two guys, but um, yeah, we want to talk about business networking. And I'm sure, like me, you'll have attended various types of networking events and had mixed results. So I'm delighted to, to welcome Jenny to the show. Um, Hi, Pete. 
Good morning. Thanks for joining us, Jenny. So Jenny's from Networking Know Who, and I'm guessing in you know in the whole sort of offline world with with COVID doing what it's done, uh, networking events and the, the traditional way in which um, you've done networking over the years over the years, and I know your business model has, has changed quite a, quite a bit. I'm guessing it's seen a fair bit of disruption and. Um, we were wondering what you could share with us your insights on that and how the sort of offline world of of marketing as it were uh, is changing and, and what you're up to yeah so it's been an interesting time to say the least <laughs> sure. Pete, when it comes to face-to-face but and i think it has to be taken as an exciting time as well to be fair so obviously with lockdown hitting um all networking events instantly cancelled and in the same breath a lot of my work so what i was doing was delivering networking training in person so going into either the universities or working with businesses and going in and helping them upskill on their their networking um tactics and skills i guess um but obviously all that got cancelled as well so um back in in March, April time when it all kind of hit, it was very much like a lot of businesses. I had to kind of take a step back and go, right, what the heck am I going to do? Because I'm going to try and teach people how to network, but no one's allowed to network. So I had to really take a step back and think, right, what am I going to do? And my my passion is to get people to have conversations. That's what networking is about for me. It's getting them to to talk, to share knowledge, learn from each other, create support networks and, you know, generate new ideas through conversations. So lockdown was a challenging but interesting time to look for different ways of doing that and obviously we've all seen the rise of zoom over the last few months and um everyone gets zoom fatigue because it is really it's it's hard work however i think we've got to i've got to acknowledge that like remote digital networking is a fantastic new means of networking that I think is going to be around to stay moving forward. It's got so many benefits in that it's taken away the need for travel to go to networking events. You know, you don't have to get up at daft o'clock in the morning, worry about parking. You can network from home and still have that face-to-face. It's not as powerful, but it is still a fantastic way of building new contacts and meeting new people. And it takes away the boundaries of geography, which I think is a fantastic thing for for networking, building relationships, um, especially in this day and age. It's almost like the way I see it is you've got face-to-face is like the most powerful because you can really, that's where you really get to know people when you meet them in person. It sounds really weird, but like you can smell them and stuff. That sounds bonkers, but you know what I mean? When <laughs> you really like get a feel for someone's, like how they they stand, their body language, you know, that's, you really get an idea of who they are and that's where you can start building that trust. I think you're exactly right. And I think, you know, we, we've just heard, uh, th- from Sean and Eden about the, the, the wide-reaching possibility that both TV and things like Google have, which is fantastic. Yeah. But, you know, um, that sort of more uh, smaller uh, s- smaller scale approach, a little bit more personal approach, um, yeah. yes, you're not going to reach a wider audience, but you, you, you've got that opportunity to have a little bit more impact. And I know, you know, it's the same as having a business meeting, isn't it? If, you, if we can translate some of that into the online world and make use of, mm-hmm. of things like Zoom, and I yep. think that's where, you know, from uh, networking that I've done with you in the past over the years, you know, that that, yeah. that ability to introduce people and, and create those connections where you think, well, actually, that, that guy's going to be interesting to, the, to that lady over there and vice versa. That's exactly. really powerful. And it might be, it might only be 12 people in the room, but it's those, um, it's those 
uh, connections that can create yeah. you know really good valuable business and i think coming back to the sort of main topic of 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 this episode was that tr- that blend of marketing approach and i think Definitely. um whilst there are limitations from from physical networking clearly it's something that is going to grow and i think you know we are going to see uh, permanent long-term changes in habit and, and it'll be interesting to yep. see how how your industry and your business uh, you know deals with that and, and tackles it definitely something else that i'm working on biz- with businesses with at the moment that's actually come a lot faster than i thought it would um is the implementation of networking strategies so i'm working with a lot of businesses to help them become more strategic in their approach to networking because obviously on the scale of how you can strategize, you've got things like Google and online and where you can look at the like the, the facts and the data and it's real time and it's like number specific. Whereas traditional face-to-face networking is a lot more serendipitous and it's a lot more, oh, I'll just go to an event and see who I meet. Sure. So I'm trying to, I'm working with businesses to to reduce that, that, oh, you know, just put your finger in there and hope for the best um, by creating networking strategies for them using an ecosystem that I've created and Durham University's done two years of academic research into so we've proven that it exists so now we can start helping businesses be more strategic in their real life networking and marketing activities just the same as they are not to the same extent as they are when it comes to their online but still having that control and power so you can really think about your return on investment when it comes to face-to-face networking because just as the same as you would want to know what your ROI is for online for television um, for pay-per-click whatever it is you're doing when it comes to face-to-face networking and building those relationships businesses need to think strategically because they're spending a lot of time a lot of money they're investing a lot of manpower in attending events they need to make sure that they're going to the right ones to build the right relationships that match with the other goals that they have across their marketing strategies as well that's, so that's uh, something that's really exciting yeah that's that, that sounds fascinating and i think you, you i mean over the years I've, I've done lots of of various types of networking and as you say it can be so hit and miss and you know you're giving up a good part of your day you're getting up and going to a a. 7am breakfast meeting or whatever it is and you get back to your desk at maybe 10 or 11 and you think what did I actually get out of that time that that I could have done something else with so you know I think trying to um, calculate and, and put an element of ROI on network working has always been extremely difficult. So, yeah, yeah, it'd be fascinating to see how that develops, and maybe you can you can explain that to us a little bit more on on another show. But I think that that transition from you know hoping for the best when it comes to networking to actually having mm-hmm. a plan and a strategy and and working yeah. out you know what results you might get, I think is uh, yeah. yeah that matches exciting. with all the other with all the other you know the other marketing activities you've got as a business. You've got that consistency. So just as as um, as the guys were saying before for about television matching with online and any other kind of marketing advertising promotional activities you're doing you need to make sure that if especially if you've got large teams of staff that are going out attending events that it's it's within a strategy and you've got a target in mind and you know you you're making sure you're getting that roi so just just coming back on with you know every, everyone's talking about zoom at the moment we're all using it we, we you know there's various platforms out there but you know zoom seem to have uh, have taken the lead um in mm-hmm. as much as um making a, a, a business offering available to everyone but um you know when, when we when we all have face-to-face meetings and whether it's a networking event or, or or one-to-ones what i've seen in the last few months and you know I literally had dozens and dozens of, of zoom meetings is that there's people taking various different approaches to it some very relaxed i think i think the whole approach to work 
generally has become a little bit more relaxed with people acknowledging that you know you are going to have your laptop on your kitchen table or, or you, you mm-hmm. know you are the, the kids or the dog or whatever's going to be running around in the background and I think you know it has created this sort of general feeling of being a bit more relaxed about work and I know yeah. you know when 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 people first transition from potentially being office based to, to working from home I know years and years ago when I first started working from home, I used to still put a suit on just because I I had to get my head into work mode. And I think, you know, those days have changed significantly. But I think, you know, people's approach to Zoom calls, I think there is certainly room for improvement. I know I could probably do better at it. And I think, you know, I've been in Zoom calls where people still turn up late and it's a bit like a networking event, isn't it? If you turn up late, you're last to the party, as it were. You know, you're not engaging with it properly. And I think maybe a lot of the stuff that you're helping businesses with from a networking perspective probably translate very well into remote Zoom meetings and, and, and similar activities. Yeah, well, one of the ways I've diversified as a business is to put my networking training online. So I've upskilled myself in terms of um, I've learned how to use Camtasia, which is a video editing software so that I can record and edit. And um, I've now published a networking course, but it's how to network remotely on Udemy, which is the international um, like learning platform, yeah. which, again, these are all things that I would never have done if it hadn't have been for lockdown. But what happened is that caused me to diversify as a business, but also to try and help people continue to network from home. So publishing, a, a it felt like it, the right thing, the right move to make almost to create a, a training course to help people network remotely so um that's something that i wouldn't have done had it not been for what's happened but it's definitely something that i want to continue and and add different courses onto that networking for beginners and how to network strategically but networking remotely it is different you're still obviously networking with the intention to build relationships and meet people but as you say there's a lot of things that people could potentially be doing better turning up on time to a meeting is just a no-brainer in my eyes but things like thinking about how your how you visually look on zoom what's your background like what's your lighting like have you got an external mic to help people hear you better you know there's loads of different little things that you can do nailing down your 60 second elevator pitch so you've got it ready there's a, there's a bunch of different things to help ease you into remote networking. I and one one sure of the tips I, w- I would want to chuck in there is just bring bring your laptop a little bit higher up the desk. I, I, I'm so yes. fed up of looking directly up people's noses. <laughs> yeah. I know the angle of it. It makes a big difference. I had my laptop when we first went into lockdown. I had it on an empty box just so I could have it at the right height. I think a lot of people have invested in it like laptop stands sure. or whatever now so it's a lot better but as you say I, do, I think it's worth looking at and investing in as a business because I think remote zoom calls everyone is so used to the technology now it makes sense that people will continue to have meetings in this way and network in this way I think face-to-face is always going to be best and once it comes back I can't wait but I think because of the time efficiency that it that it brings to the table, I think it's here to stay. So and, it's and, worth investing in. And what about sort of internal networking then, Jenny? Because what, what, what we've seen in our business here, so at Colour Media, we've got a team of about 15 people here, everyone office-based, and obviously lockdown came and everyone had to go home. So... Um, for the last few few weeks, we, we've brought the team partially back in, and Eden, that's yeah. here with me in the in the studio, socially distanced this morning, <laughs> um, but we are in the studio together, and 
Eden's been working sort of partly at home, partly here. We've got some of the team that are still permanently at home and working. And, you know, what we're trying to do, and it is difficult, is is engage with everyone in, in the same way that we would if we were all back in the office. But that's probably, yeah. you know, there's there's probably an element of, of permanent change with that. And I think a lot of businesses will realise, actually, you know, we are just as productive. We can do the same things in, in certain ways um, working from home. What about um, what about you, Sean, in, in an organisation this scale of, of, of ITV? I'm guessing you've had the same same you know limitations that everyone else has had, and how how's a big organisation like ITV dealing with that from an internal networking perspective? Yeah, it's been um, it's been really interesting. We we've been well, I've been personally working from home now since since early March, and uh, I can I can totally relate to um, what you were saying about kind of Zoom call fatigue as well. Um, at the start of it, um, I, I think the main thing for us really throughout it has just been communication and just ensuring that we're keeping everyone up to up to date with things. So I, I think it, it's been interesting because we've probably, uh, we have offices all around the country um, and, and we work kind of in a regional team and feed into uh, kind of colleagues in Manchester mainly and uh, in London. So I think it's been, it's been quite a, a positive from that perspective because I think we've been a lot more connected with them or there's people are a lot more open to, to just setting up a, a Zoom call just for a quick 20-minute or half-hour chat, um, whereas before you might have to make that journey um, to uh, to have a similar meeting like that. So I think it's probably improved communication like that. And we, I mean, we cover, um, we were just chatting about it earlier, um, kind of a, such a, a large geographical patch really for, for ITV across kind of the northeast, across Cumbria and throughout Scotland. So um, the, the ability to be able to, and the openness, I think, from, from clients and advertisers yeah. and people internally as well, just to, to have a quick chat over um, over Zoom calls and how they are accepted is, is great, really. Um, so um, I, I, I think it can only be, be useful really moving forward that, that more people are, are more comfortable with that. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, it has it has created a sort of element of, of innovation and, and inventiveness. And I know at the, the start of lockdown, um, I had, you know, various meetings with, with clients that were planned and, and were in the diary. And of course, they, they just got cancelled because they couldn't happen. Yeah. Um, and I think it was around, it must have been around Easter time. I, I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to make a little video for a client. You know, I had, I had a meeting booked with a yeah. client and I thought, well, I'm in the garden. It's a sunny day. I'll just record it and I'll have a little chat to myself in the garden. I sent that as a video and got a great response from that client, you know, because really? it was... Uh, to to a certain extent it, it had a personal note to it you know i could have sent an email but these days the technology exists it's it's relatively easy to do and i think moving you know coming back to your world jenny moving the the traditional ways in which we've always done you know business meetings and networking and try and I- incorporate in some of that you know tangible physical stuff into you know the, the the sort of platforms and the systems that we're using now is probably yeah. going to be a permanent thing. I would say. I think that it's going to be I a think, lot more I hope, I think ho- hopefully, I'd like to think it would be like an added benefit, especially you know, like Sean was saying, with um, people or colleagues that work geographically quite a long way. It's really time efficient to be able to just jump on a, a Zoom and have those calls. My concern with the like remote working as a permanent thing moving forward is more the long-term implications for businesses who potentially will lose some of that company culture by not having yeah. their staff to get together on a regular basis and build. And But mostly it's my concern would be for those those ideas, you know, when people chat and they just talk about 
not necessarily in particular, but that's when they get to know each other really on a different level. It's not sharing information. Sharing information is what email's for, but really having conversations with each other where they build relationships. But then also that's when they generate new ideas. And my worry would be that if organisations continue just because they can, in theory, work remotely doesn't mean they should because yeah, of that long-term agree. innovations that maybe you know those innovative ideas that would come from people in different departments just chatting over over a coffee in the office. They're they're the moments that I think are really valuable, and they're the ones that create that company culture that people you know so potentially they'll lose out on you know they'll lose talent because people will be more likely just to flip between companies because they haven't got that emotional investment in a business they work for so as well as that that long-term potential loss of of ideas that are generated through conversation that only happens in person you don't get that from zoom calls you're absolutely right and just in in the last couple of days um the ability to do i mean eden and i it literally just yesterday and the day before we're doing exactly that where you know something comes into your mind and i just want to have a chat about it i can walk across yeah. the office and i can ask eden's opinion on something and you just get that sort of live um interaction where it is just a bit of off the cuff brainstorming and that's difficult yeah. you know if you, you don't want to organize a zoom meeting or put all of those thoughts down on an email that that ability to just have an, an off the cuff conversation with, with your yeah. colleagues in in the office um, it is immensely valuable, I think, and I think what, what, as a as a as an organisation, I think one of the things that we're keen to do as as our sort of world changes is we we will absolutely make the effort to bring everyone together, you know, as frequently as we can, for so so that you know, apart from anything else, you've got that you know ongoing developing relationship with your colleagues, which you don't yeah. you don't get when when it when everything's remote. So, good. it's finding that balance, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So thank you very much, everyone. I think that's that's all for this episode. Um, thanks for listening. And thanks once again to all my guests, Eden Bevington, Sean Robertson and Jenny Smith. And if you would like to stay up to date with the show or take part as a guest, consider subscribing and sharing with your friends. And until the next time, stay safe and keep smiling. Thank you very much. Bye.